Welcome to another ATP Tennis Radio podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and it's a very special podcast for a very special time of year. Wimbledon Village is awash with purple and green decked out to the nines because, of course, the championship is upon us. And to celebrate that, Mars McLagan has once again invited us to one of his favourite places in Wimbledon Village, Maison Saint-Cassier. Mars, what have we just been eating? It was delicious. It, it was good. It's a favourite of mine. It's, it's the marinated chicken. Um, it's actually, there's a Lebanese restaurant, so Maison Saint-Cassier sounds quite French to me, but uh, we don't mind that. They do good food. And also, this aubergine de pierre, it's... Uh, Roasted aubergine, they told me, and they sort of blend it up, add some olive oil, called baba ganoush. It's very, very tasty. It is indeed. Delicious coffee too. Great croissants I've had before. Um, first of all, how are you? How, what have you been up to? I'm, I'm very, very well. just been doing a lot of uh, tennis commentary, enjoying the grass court season. What a, what a great event Queen's was. Um, you know, some interesting results. Haller too, uh, one of the young guns unsettling Federer, which was a surprise. Um, and just been around. I, I'm very fortunate to get up to up to the All England in the lead up. It's looking absolutely spectacular. We were just chatting when we were a little worried about the. Uh, we, we wouldn't be British without talking about the weather. A little worried it might be too hot. Because <laughs> uh, last year the courts were, I think they were on the edge of getting a little bit burnt. Of course they can they can water them there, but um, I, I mean it is the whole area is looking spectacular. I'm not going to start complaining about the weather, that's for sure. It is a magic time of year, though, isn't it? For tennis fans, but also for everyone who's not even a tennis fan, everyone starts to enthuse about tennis at this time of year. It really is, because Wimbledon's become one of those events that's not just tennis. It's, it's an event on the British calendar, and we have uh, you know, things like uh, Ascot, the horse racing, and people who don't watch a horse race all year go, dress up and go there. And some of the people who go there still don't watch a horse race, I believe. Uh, same with the, the, the boat race in Putney, Oxford-Cambridge. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a time where people come and enjoy it, they talk about it. Same at Wimbledon. And um, as I said, I've been in the area and I saw Friday night, I took my little girl to the park and there were people putting up tents already. So that's, you know, two days beforehand that the tents are out and they're getting more and more civilized in the park there. They've done a, an amazing job over the years when all the streets, the, the residents used to complain because, you know, they had people camping outside their house. Well, they made the queue quite official. There's amazing facilities around there. There's proper bathrooms. There's all sorts of good food you can eat. So it's a real... Uh, it's, it's a real efficient operation now. It's going to be hot work in those queues this year, isn't it? If you're doing that, make sure you get your sun cream on and bring some water. That is Miles McLagan, former coach of Andy Murray, among others, and now a commentator on both TV and radio. And as well as getting the views of Miles over the next little while, we have an exclusive and, I must say, very open and honest interview with Marian Vider back alongside Novak Djokovic. We hear from Ivan Lubacic, coach of Roger Federer. There's Ricardo Piatti on Borna Chorich, the man who denied Federer in Halle a week ago. A lot to get through. But, Miles, hardworking producer Russell, has just shown me a Twitter feed with the news that Andy Murray, your former charge, he's withdrawn from the Wimbledon Championships. Um, I won't ask you to speculate, but... 
You've been there with Andy, you've sat around tables with him at good times and also bad times. How will he have come to that decision? Uh, ultimately, how tough will that have been for, for him to make, especially here in Wimbledon? Uh, his way of working has always has been to come back stronger. We had, we're pretty fortunate during our time together. I think he had, he had one wrist injury, which is out for about six weeks. Uh, towards the end of the season and uh, I mean just he, he did a, a lot of physical work uh, and he actually came back in Valencia and won that tournament having said that he was so stiff because you know the, again going back from from the practice the, and then into a match situation where there's tension uh, the, the, the stiffness in the body was was remarkable but he, he used that in a positive way those are the views of Miles McLagan former coach of Andy Murray here in SW19, we wish Andy all the best. And while we dwell on Andy and the British angle, um, Kyle Edmund, Miles, top-ranked Brit, of course, uh, among the men. Um, can you see Kyle going on a run like he did at, in, in Melbourne? Um, can, he, can he do here what he did at the Aussie Open? I think that's going to be tough for him, and he's going to get his first taste of some real expectation. You know, we always, myself included, and I still would say I don't think grass is his best surface, um, his least favorite perhaps. Of course he can still play well in it, but you're absolutely right. That, that's a tough first round for him. And, um, you know, he's going to have a lot to deal with. He would have seen, I suppose he's had the advantage of seeing Andy have to how he's dealt with it and having to deal with it over the years so he's had a little preview but it's some of these things until you experience it you don't really know what it's like back looking dangerous with a few more weeks under his belt is Novak Djokovic who after a spell with Andre Agassi and Radek Stepanek is back now with his longtime coach and mentor Marian Vida. I had a lovely long chat with Marian recently and started by asking him simply how he's enjoying being back on tour I had a break, break uh, one year uh, from ATP and from ATP Tour and uh, I spend time mostly home with my family. I enjoy time being home and I reconnect uh, with my family. So I am very fine. I am more relaxed uh, coming back uh, again and um, uh, coaching Novak. So I, I feel more relaxed, more uh, more uh, um, fine and then more, more like... Uh, be aware that uh, I can be more relaxed, uh, even the pressure is on every, every time during the tournaments, but uh, I feel good. Thank you. There's a lot of water under the bridge, obviously, since then. Um, was it an easy decision to come back and work with Novak again? Not at all. I mean, the decision was made, uh, not, was not easy, obviously, even though Novak asked me to, 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 to work with him again. I sit down with my family and, uh, you know, they... Obviously, the decision was made because my family said to me that that uh, they don't see Novak on TV anymore, and they want to see him again, and they, you know, they 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 want to be him back. Uh, they need his energy there on ATP tour, you know, something like that. So it was kind of easy for me. Then they make the decision on my own, then because my family supported it, and um, well. That was how I got back. <laughs> and once you'd come back, was it like putting on an old shoe? Was it immediately uh, comfortable again or had things moved on? Were things a bit different? Not really, not really. I mean, it was uh, things were a little bit different because I was little, literally afraid a little bit how Novak will be, how is his form recently. I didn't see him for a year. I didn't follow the tennis 
that much uh, during the year and uh, I was happy to be home, you know. And uh, obviously I was curious about it, how we're going to set up the relationship, first of all, then the tennis and the, the professionalism. Uh, and uh, But uh, after a while, after a couple of days, I, I got back used to it and uh, it seems to me it was... It was pretty much. I felt really good, and after after um, we had a lot of uh, we had a good dinner and everything. So we we had a lot of um, um, we speak speak about it and uh, we spoke about it. We had a lot of stories, and uh, it got back easier after a couple of days. Starting again, did it did it help you in a way that you could confront Novak and maybe challenge the way he'd been doing things a little bit? Yeah, obviously, uh, it's, it, it was kind of uh, difficult uh, stuff. Got back again and, 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 and talk to him, and then because uh, obviously he, he was trained uh, with different uh, group before, and uh, he had different habits, different uh, movements, different. But uh, then uh, he, I had a very positive feedback from him. You know, whenever whatever I did with him in the practice session. And it feels like he was really eating it, <laughs> or whatever. So he like he likes to give me positive feedback that it it works, it works again. And uh, uh, he get back to to the routine which I really liked. And uh, we stick with the good practice practice session every day, with good fitness. And then uh, routine come back, and then he got slowly back the confidence. Because it can't have been easy for you to... You say you weren't watching a, a whole lot of tennis, but you were still seeing him struggle on tour and with his fitness. As a kind of father figure in his life a little bit, it must have been difficult for you to, to watch that. How strong was simply just the urge to help him? Obviously, when he asked me that and he called me, that obviously my I was really excited, mostly excited about it, and in positive way that I can help him. But obviously, the past, uh, I tried to forget about it or maybe not to forget about it because I was in connection with him during the, those, this year, but in positive that we exchanged a couple SMS about the families and, you know, it was his families, my families, but not nothing, nothing about tennis. But it looked to me that I didn't have a, I didn't have like feeling that he's suffering or something because I thought that he's getting back with his new team and a new approach and I was really frankly I was I, I thought that his new team uh, he was with Andre Agassi and uh, Radek Stepanek will help him and will approach the, the reach the goal goals but unfortunately it didn't happen and then uh, calling get back to me it's uh, very unusual uh, but I mean Many, many people, many people, many fans wishes that maybe, maybe, for some reasons, but for me it was kind of um, difficult going through. But in positive way, I, I was, I, I, in my, in myself, I, I, I really wanted to help him. Because I remember you saying, whenever it was, 14, 15 months ago, when we did speak in Monte Carlo, there was a question mark beside his motivation and how he was going to come up with a new Everest. You know, he'd done the, the slam, the four grand slams in a row. He'd won the French. And the, the question was there, you know, how is he going to carry on wanting to motivate himself? But it seems now 
that almost everything was almost taken away, that the fire is burning again. Does it, does it feel like that yeah. to you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is like something like this that you describe very nicely. And uh, I, f- I have the same feeling that the fire is slowly burning uh, in the bigger and increasing. I mean, is there fire is there. And it just need a little bit more confidence right now at the moment. And I think it comes with the matches. He, he, plays, he didn't have a lot of matches because of injury, lack of confidence, motivation. And it comes altogether if you don't practice for many months and you don't compete for many months, you're losing it. And, and now he's in stage where he, he started two months ago before French Open and he got back uh, motivated and, uh, you know, and self-confidence... Uh, but it, it doesn't go that way, you know, you cannot click it and it's it's just need to have a couple of work behind and a couple practices and as I, as I mentioned before and he needs to he needs to gain it in his blood, in his, uh, in his uh, uh, automatism and once he gets the automatism in, uh, in the, and practice and the matches, matches comes and winning on top of it, if he wins a couple of matches, the confidence got back and uh, it's not easy to make it in three, three, four months. I, 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 but he's on the good path. It was interesting hearing Andy Murray this week uh, when he was asked what his targets are, what his aims are. He had two clear aims. They were to enjoy his tennis and to get to a level where his, his children could watch him play and, and he could be proud. Do you think Novak could maybe relate to that? Exactly. I, I totally agree. There are, they are now they have different approach obviously they are they have family both of them they have kids and it's it's kind of responsibility and to deal with the everyday basis it's it's kind of you come back home and the kids it's kind of like kids draws you back from your job and then you know, they want to spend time with you obviously it's not that easy to split and balance it but i mean i mean this is also the reason to to play because the kids they motivate you they want to see Papa, how he holds the trophy, and once a time doing the Grand Slam, maybe this is the reason why they play and they, why they enjoy. Otherwise, they don't. They, they. This is this is the very good approach. I really like it. As his coach, how different is the tour now? You've got new names now. You know, players that perhaps he didn't have to think about. Uh, you know, he was playing a lot of games against the big four. Now he's got Shapovalov, Hachinov, Tsitsipas. Chorich, you know, all these new guys who have come on so quickly. Does it feel like a slightly different tour already? Definitely, definitely. It is it is slightly different because the level is amazing now. The young kids are so, you know, that's what Novak was. Maybe they are on level of Novak when he played a couple of years ago. They already match him. They're already matching him. They already match the top guys. And they, they have um, amazing skills already. They are, they are well-trained. They have fitness. They, they have everything. So I'm really excited about, about the young, young generation. And uh, really, they, they are already really confident. And uh, still, they have a long way to go. But they are there. They are, they are close to the, the, the champions. And uh, I think, the, yeah, as I said, uh, they, have, they, are, they can match the guys now, you know. And ju- just finally, that said... Guys like Novak, Andy, they don't want to be out there to play to reach a quarterfinal, semi-final. They want to be winning, and presumably he, he wants to be at the top again. Do you think he can get back to dominating the game? I don't know if, it's, if he can dominate as he dominated before because it was amazing, something which, which we human beings cannot even describe. 
to winning the Grand Slam, winning the Grand Slam. And I mean, this, to, to, I don't think it's a reachable again, the potential and the mental strength he had. But, you know, as we said, he wants to enjoy, he wants to practice, he wants to play matches. He has uh, ability enough and talent to, to reach uh, maybe the Grand Slam final again and win a couple of Grand Slams maybe. You know, but it takes a little bit longer, but uh, it depends also on the health issue. If he's healthy, it's many, many issues. But right now, I'm so happy that he enjoys so much tennis and uh, he finds the passion in it again. And then he can go, even though the, the, the lose is hurts. And the, the, obviously, as champion, as he's, I think he, he's born to win the, win the, as you said, the tournaments. But, you know... I think it stays in him deeply and in a winning attitude and it is a matter of time when he awakens a little bit. <laughs> Mayan, it's a huge pleasure talking with you. Thank you Thank very you much. Robert. Thank you very much. Thank you. Miles, you understand the player-coach dynamic better than, better than most, obviously. Um, why is Djokovic a better player with Vida? I think they know each other. Well, they do know each other so well and, and Marion perhaps is... Um, He's just got, got a way of, of, of chatting to Novak. He, he's not one of these coaches that looks for the limelight himself. He very quietly goes ab about his business. I'm sure because of the relationship, he can be honest and straightforward, which is maybe at times is a, is a downfall in some relationships. And, and maybe some time away, Novak has thought, you know what, he, he was right. This happens with, with all relationships. And, uh, and it's probably not just tennis relationships too. Sometimes spend some time apart and think, well, you know what, they were right. And, and, and he wants to... Um, you know, he wants to, I think, find some of that old form, some of the, that, those results. And, and he liked the way Marion went about his business. And, of course, Marion now coming back, can, you would think, could be even more, um, is in an even stronger position because you know, he's been asked back onto the team. Yeah, he, in many ways, he's shown, he, he's shown a lot of compassion and humility to come back after all that Novak had been through you know clearing the slate going with another coach no, he, he's almost had to be the bigger man in a way yeah possibly I mean I don't think they ever split on bad terms I mean that's just you understand that's a way of things on the tour that sometimes it's just run its course and uh, and I think Novak just he wanted a fresh start um, which is nothing unusual about that I mean it all depends you know if they sat down face to face and said listen I want to go this way you know, there's nothing to be, um, there's nothing for anyone to, to be angry about, I wouldn't have thought. But, um, you know, so, some, some time apart and think, you know what, let's, let's try and rekindle this. And now it's be interesting to see if things, because it's often doing a second time around and you want the same relationship and often things have moved slightly. We'll see how that goes, but it certainly seems to be on a good track right now. You see Novak going deep this fortnight? I do. I think... Um, I know he, he's in that same section as, uh, as Nadal and, and Kyrgios got some tough matches. But I, I think for me, he's the third favorite. Everybody's got question marks over them. Perhaps not Federer. He's winning a lot on the grass again. But, you know, he's been there and done it. He's playing some good tennis. And, you know, and as, as Marion referenced, it's, it's about getting it back into the blood. So things become just natural when you're out there in the big moments. You don't have to think you're on autopilot. And, and I think he's getting closer and closer to that. And, you know, when he comes to a semi-final, it's tough. Are you, are you going to bet against him? He's been there. He's done it. Yeah, he has indeed. One man expecting a decent stay in Wimbledon over the next fortnight, no doubt, is Ivan Lubcic, the hard-working coach of 
Roger Federer. My coaching experience with Raonic also uh, taught me things. So uh, now with Roger, together with Severin Luti, who has been around for 10 years, uh, we've done some good work uh, and the results are here. And we are, of course, very happy and very glad how things are going and we are looking for more. There's no question about that. Very motivated, very ambitious. Uh, I always believe that Roger can win more slams, can be number one. Maybe it was a, it was a far to think about it, but uh, when you win so much, you obviously have to consider it, and uh, uh, things happen. You know, uh, it, it is beautiful to see him enjoying so much, and and, uh, and of course winning because I do consider him the best tennis tennis player ever played this game, and to see him back at his winning winning ways, it's. For me, as his friend, as his fan, as his coach, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Miles, people will be at home listening to this, thinking, why does Roger Federer need a coach? What does this guy do? Yeah, that's a good question. He's probably, and, and sometimes the job of, of a, the coach of someone like Federer is not to do too much. It's, it's small... Um, you know, it's small bits of guidance, it's ideas. Federer's been around a, around a long time. He's one of the greatest athletes on the planet. It's not about telling him how to hit a forehand, but it's maybe about scouting opponents, giving them little, uh, little ideas, thoughts, that, that in the end will, that, that he will decide in his own mind, right, I, I'm going to go with that. And sometimes it's just about maybe deflecting the pressure, seeing things from a slightly different perspective. I, th- I think Federer has been... Um, He's so successful for so long that, that we think it's, it's easy what he does. But he's still working very hard, and, and it's not easy. He's got these, all these players coming out after him, and sometimes you know that probably gets a little wearing, and he just needs someone on the outside, Lubacic, experienced player, cool head, just to say, look at it from, from a different perspective at times. Do you think there's a case for Lubcic perhaps being a little bit more concerned this year than he was maybe this time last year with that cloak of invincibility just being tugged away a little bit, losing to Chorich, being taken to match, you know, having to defend match points against players? I, I think the pressure might be a bit different because, you know, Roger, well, I suppose he'd won Australia out of the blue and then, you know, the, the expectation maybe wasn't the same, whereas now it's all, well, he's a clear favourite. Um, and there is going to time we're going to be right eventually eventually Roger's going to have to slow down I don't know when that'll be but um, you know that's part of the job I I think you know no matter who you're working with the the pressures come in different places and you know if you don't want that pressure at the top end to win slams and Roger's not the guy to be working with but Lubicic has been around he's number four in the world he's no uh, you know, he's no stranger to, to big events and the end of tournaments. So I think, um, you know, they'll be equipped to deal with it. Ten years since that final, 2008, Federer, Nadal. And lots, lots of people have been talking about it because it's ten years. Because it, it was simply, it was like two Martians came down and played a different sport for three, four hours. I mean, unbelievable match. It, it really was. It was amazing. They've played a few, though. And... and maybe more amazing is that they're still playing to that level if not better 10 years later their bodies have stood the, the test of time uh, their, their minds certainly have their competitive instincts are still there so absolutely remarkable and we've that we've got these great great tennis players athletes together at the same time you know there's a few of them who've been around a long time as well I mean you know Andy Murray over 10 years on the tour Djokovic too Vavrinka we're seeing a lot of guys in their 30s but yeah, for those two to have been right at the top for so long is, you know, they, 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 
they're changing the record books all the time, aren't they? So to, to broaden the, the conversation out a little bit, so obviously there are lots of different types of player who could spring a surprise, especially on grass. You've got the big servers, Kyrgios, Isner, Raonic, Anderson. You've got the lefties, Muller, Lopez, Shapovalov. You've got, you know, the, 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 just the top players, the Chiliches and the Zverevs who can, you know, hit form, Del Potro. Who are you expecting to maybe sort of buck the trend and make a quarter-final, semi-final against the draw? Well, I mean, the first one, I think, and it's not really against a draw, um, Del Potro. You know, he's been playing some good tennis for a long for a long time this year. Got that first win in, in Indian Wells. And, and he likes the grass. He's had good results in, in the past. Um, he's got that tricky section with uh, Shapovalov, Pear. Um, so, so it's not going to be easy for him. But uh, I, I wouldn't surprise him to go deep. And, and of course... You know, Kyrgios, I haven't put him in the top three, but, you know, on an individual match, he can beat anybody. He has done any he can. I mean, the tennis he can play is spectacular. He looked good at Queens. It took some stopping by Marin Cilic. Um, on his day, and then if he's up for this, we're talk, the more we're talking about the other players and he's under the radar without the pressure, the better and better it is for him. And with the sun baking down, say it's mid-30s or gets up to mid-30s for the whole fortnight, we're sitting literally touching distance to the Isner family. A John Isner could potentially just come into the draw and just be unplayable if, if, the, if the courts are really baked and hard. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, those, a lot of times the big servers, the big guys, they, they prefer a slightly slower court because they, they, they think, well, my serve's going to be good on anything, but I, I need a little bit of a bounce to return. And so you're absolutely right. The, the courts get a little harder, so that bounce is higher, so it's easier for someone uh, who's taller. So the same could be said of Raonich. Anderson, too, who doesn't mind a, you know, a, a hard court. Um, so, so absolutely. I mean, isn't it a little bit like Kyrgios in the fact that on an individual match, you'd always be wary of going against them. But, you know, there's other guys you'd probably favor to come through the seven matches. But, you know, they can also spoil somebody's, uh, spoil someone's draw. I mean, Chilich may have to get through Raonic and Isner. That's a tricky pro uh, proposition. And what about Sasha Zverev? He's gone one better in the last three years. Round of 64, round of 32, last year round of 16. Um, is he, he, he's obviously learning to play on grass. His brother's an incredibly good grass court player. So he'll be getting some decent practice. Um, his brother's just won Eastbourne. Um, what, what do you expect of Sasha? I don't think uh, he, he's obviously a quality player. He can win matches. I don't see him as a threat yet. I just think the way he moves on the grass, he plays a long way behind the baseline and he relies on Guys, guys who rely, rely on tracking the ball down find it more difficult. Monfils is in that vein because, because the footing's not as, as perfect on, on the grass. You slip a bit. We see Novak Djokovic slipping a lot, having said that. But, you know, Monfils, Zverev, they use their speed to almost catch up to the ball. And that's taken away a little bit on a surface where you can't push off as quickly. You need to play a little bit more on the front foot and dictate play. So I don't see um, Zverev as... It will be interesting to see how he adjusts his game to that. Um, potentially going to seedings, he's got Kyrgios in that uh, in that fourth round. That would be interesting. But I, I don't see him. He's quality, but I don't see him as a threat to win this title yet. He's 21. Another 21-year-old who, well, I don't think there can be a better way to warm up for Wimbledon than by beating Roger Federer in a final in Halle tournament. He's won nine times already. But that's what 
uh, a Croat by the name of Borna Choric, your former charge, did a week ago. We've already heard from Ivan Lubcic. He himself learnt under the legendary coach Ricardo Piatti, who's now working with Choric. It's quite nice. I didn't expect it was so good because, okay, I know Borna from long because I saw Borna when he was 11. He warming up uh, Ivan Ljubic when he was in the final in Zagreb. And uh, it's the same age of uh, uh, Cosim, uh, Stefano Napolitano. That's his one player working with us here. So I know quite well him and I follow all his results. Uh, but I don't know him because uh, you can uh, watch the result, uh, travel together, but if you're not in a team, you don't understand how is uh, his mentality. Now we start in the end of November and I want to say uh, he's a nice person, he's very nice, he's very smart. Uh, he has the possibility to improve, he's working hard and uh, so it's nice uh, uh, to help him. With me there is also Christian uh, Kiki, is another coach um, working with, uh, uh, with Borna, then there is Dali, Borna and Zimalia. We are uh, in good way, in the prospect is uh, to working uh, minimum two years, I want to be two years because this year I want to build him and uh, about uh, his game and maybe I, w I expect him for next year some good result. Could I ask you, Ricardo, is there one particular weapon that he has that you think is his, um, his biggest strength? Uh, weapon? No, the only one is 21. So he's 21 and uh, he's expecting a lot. Uh, he needs to understand better the, the tour and uh, in, which, in which way uh, he can play in which way, in where he can play well. Uh, he need uh, to understand uh, and uh, he need experience. That is a weak part. Miles, Ricardo Piatti talking about a two-year plan with Borna, who you also worked with. Um, Borna seems to be having a second breakthrough season. He's, he's had an amazing year and it's good to see. As you said, I've spent uh, a good part of a year with Borna. Incredible uh, work ethic, incredible desire. Um, so it's very nice to see him having success. You know, as far as the grass, because incredible effort also to, to beat Federer. I mean, I would not have picked that. But, you know, he's just one of those players. I, I saw him when I was with him, the style of a little bit in the Djokovic mold. I don't think he has the power to, to blow, uh, blow players off the court. But if he's uh, those base sides in that mold of just keeping the ball deep, uh, and just wearing the opponents down and with that little bit of confidence you know can come that relaxation where you are willing to just stay in the point and make it a bit tougher and, and that is starting to come for him but again what's going to be tricky for him is he played a great event just a couple of weeks ago in Halle. now you come to the to Wimbledon and you start all over again on that grass that's we, we've been talking about the weather's nice so it should be the footing should be good but the first day the grass is a little more lush that movement the ball skids a little bit which is not great not ideal conditions for Borna but he'll fight no, no matter what um, he's got a tricky first round though Daniel Medvedev who likes the grass probably his favorite surface and he'd like to get a little bit of a you know, remind people that he's around because these sort of next geners, although some are moving out of it, some are some are getting into the spotlight, leaving others behind. And he's, he seems to me to be a classic kind of counter puncher. And almost, you, you mentioned Djokovic, like Djokovic a little bit, like a Hewitt before him. Maybe he's he's a good returner of the ball. How did he beat Federer? What did he do so well that day? 
he served well, uh, which is always a helpful <laughs> on, on any surface, but particularly grass. And just that ability to make more and more balls. And I, I think, you know, if I think Feder was probably a little tired. He'd played, he'd won the week before. Um, and... You know, but he, he just played a really solid game. He, he, let's not forget, he had troubled Federer earlier in the year. He'd been a break-up in Indian Wells in the semi-final. So um, he got a good look at Federer's game. But I think just, you know, that's going to be his... Sometimes the predictability of a player is, is also a strength because their opponent knows that they're just going to keep coming with, with whatever they've got. There's like a wall that keeps coming at you, and that, that is wearing in itself. Another similar player and a man who we haven't mentioned at all so far, and yet he is in the world's top ten, David Goffin. We seldom seem to talk about him in, in, the, in the grass court kind of sphere, maybe because he missed Wimbledon last year because of that nasty ankle injury at the French. Um, you'd probably say he's a long shot over the next fortnight, um, but he's here with his longtime coach, Cherry Van Klimput, who is also enjoying being back in London. Well, like really London, when London is an amazing town. We, we love Paris, Roma and uh, London. You think you understand, I'm a European and I like my, my, my region and uh, I like so much to be here. And now, of course, ever since November and the NITO ATP finals, London must just bring that little bit of extra energy back to David, all the memories. I hope so, but I don't know. We will see. For me, it's pretty special. But uh, you know, it's my the first time in 2000. I was for the third time in the main draw of the tournament with Oliver Rockus. He beat Magnus Norman, the finalist of Roma this year, the, this time. And it's for me, it's all the time special in London. And everything is is special here. Good music. The food now is better also. <laughs> and there is, with the family is not good because there is a lot of shop. And this time uh, I don't like uh, this part. It costs you an absolute fortune, does it? <laughs> um, now, David, we all know, is such a strong clay court player. Um, how does his game transition to the, to the grass? And as, for, for you as coach, um, how is it different? How do you do things differently on grass and in the week of a grass tournament to what you'd be doing on a clay tournament, perhaps? It's completely different. Of course, you know, everybody knows the ribbon, but also the, the mental attitude during the match is completely different. Is To stay focused with first opportunity, it's important to, to, to take the offensive game immediately, to be focused on the return. It's because everybody spoke about the tournament. It's, the serve, okay, I understand the serve is very, very important, but the, the return is the difference if you want to, to win the match. And it's different, uh, different uh, concentration is important. No, you, and I think there, you need time for, to find the rhythm. And I, I was interested to hear Dominic Team actually say this week that it's very different mentally because whereas in a clay court match, you've always got the possibility of breaking back quite easily. But on grass, one break, and it's very difficult to get back into the set. It's difficult because you need to stay focused also after a break. The problem is, I agree with Dominique, if you have a break, it's important, but it's important to stay focused on the, 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 for, to continue the, the match and don't, don't put all, pull, pull out of the match and to stay concentrate. It's not easy, it's completely different physically, mentally, uh, concentration. The intention is really different. So you're telling David 
to be more aggressive on the return and to go forward? Uh, not only aggressive, be careful because it's important, the, the good touch, the first, the two first shot is very important. And after, like I, I said, it's important if you have any opportunities to play more offensive. Yes, exactly. All in all, you're uh, confident with David? The confidence is not the most important thing. Uh, David needs to find the confidence and to, to give 100%. Uh, I, I said a lot of time in the past, for David it's important to, to take any opportunities and to stay focused all the time and to play 100%. Is the destiny of the, David, the attitude and the, the maximum is for the rest of this career in the tennis. It's like this never change. Miles, Team Goffin, lovely guys to deal with. Uh, There's such nice guys. It's been a wretched time for him really with freakish injuries, the eye, the, the ankle. Um, but if he, if he does do what Thierry says and take his chances, he, he's a danger, isn't he? There's no doubt about that. And he, he's a player, you know, people say, do you think he can win a Grand Slam? And then and your immediate instincts go, well, I don't see him as a Grand Slam winner. But then you think, well, why not? He, he troubles and beats the best players in the world. I just wonder if, a little bit like Ferrer, he's so good, but there's always someone who's a big guy that's going to play a little bit better. Out of those seven matches, someone's going to be... But, you know, I've got the, the utmost respect for him. And absolutely, I think, you know, the grass is a surface where the ball comes off quickly, so he gets a little more speed. Uh, so he uses his timing. He's quick. We talked about not being able to defend too much. Of course, you have to do that sometimes. But you can get on the front foot, move your opponent around. The quicker surface helps your serve because... On a, on a slow court, when your serve sits there, you feel like you have to muscle it, and it's easy to lose your rhythm. Whereas a quick court, you can just serve with a nice rhythm and allow the court to do the work. So that helps the, the, the smaller guys. But the way he sees the ball, uh, he's shown that he's, he's capable of beating the big names. Uh, he's got a, again, he's in that section potentially coming through to seeded to play Del Potro but watch out for his first round Matthew Ebden is an Australian who knows how to serve volley and knows how to play on the grass that's a tricky start to the tournament I was hoping you'd mention serve volley <laughs> Goffin with his work cut out like, like many of the players in transitioning to grass and finally um, this week we're going to look at exactly that um, and this is a fascinating couple of minutes um, ATP Uncovered program recently spent some time on court with America's Steve Johnson and his coach Craig Boynton we're just touching base on a couple of things uh, that are pertinent to him for grass. I feel, you know, as comfortable as you can on grass after, you know, three days of practice, four days of practice. Um, you know, it's always tough to transition from practice to a match for your first time. You just got to go out there and kind of think on your feet because, you know, being on grass for the first time in a year is always uh, brings up some challenges. For Stevie, it's working on his surf, getting his surf percentage higher and then also the volleys. He's going to be coming forward a lot more. He's very athletic and just reminding him things he needs to do in order to be successful. It's just different, but you know, I feel comfortable coming forward, so hopefully my, my you know, persistence on that will, uh, will pay off. And you come from clay to grass, that's the most drastic change there is on the tour. And so the footwork patterns are different. The mindset is different. You, you don't play as much defense on grass as you can play on clay. So switching the mentality of being first strike tennis, um, you, the balls generally hit a little flatter. There's a lot more rotation on, on Stevie's balls on clay and on maybe even a slower hard court. 
Um, and so the, the footwork, the shot selection, the mentality, everything is really different from clay to grass. So getting, like Stevie said, getting that done in three days, um, it's a bit of a challenge, but it's a challenge for everyone here. And so that's, uh, that's just what you have to do when you want to be successful coming from a good, uh, successful clay court season. The set play for practice is not necessarily to go out and to win those sets. And so like, if Stevie's playing a pattern that's into his practice partner's strength, it's okay if that is gonna pay off for tomorrow. And it's to tick your boxes that everyone has to tick for grass, and then also putting in play the game plan for going forward for first round and then and, and beyond. And like Stevie said, to have a successful grass court season. It's Steve Johnson and his coach, Craig Boynton, but I guess it could relate to pretty much every single player out there at the moment working on his serve <laughs> for the grass. That's got to just be, it's not just to start the points on grass, is it? No, that doesn't really narrow it down too much. And we should also mention Craig Boynton's beard, which has come along very nice, looking very full. Still growing it. Yeah. Looking, looking, making him look very wise. But uh, yeah, he's... Uh, well, he started out on the tour with John Isner and then obviously having success with, um, with Stevie Johnson. But yeah, the, the serve, you get, you, grass, you want to play on the front foot. Um, that, that serve, it, it's, it helps you so much if you can land. It's the accuracy as well. You know, going back to, we were talking about Goffin, his serve can be effective. It doesn't have to be the biggest, as Federer and Djokovic have shown us. But if you hit the spots, you get, you get to start the rally on your own terms. Stevie uses, got that big forehand as well. Come forward, get comfortable at, at, at the net, play points on, on your terms. You know, and he's a, he's a player who's, I think he's snuck inside the top 20. And, um, you know, the sort of player will think, you know, I, if I get things going here, I can have a deep run in this draw. In terms of the transition, what is the biggest single difference other than the color of the court when you're coming from clay to grass you've just got the, the movement's a big is a big difference um you know you don't have that firm footing so you've got to almost i, I think it's a bit like a car on the ice you've got to turn on the gas slowly if you just push too hard immediately the, the wheels spin and you're left slipping so um also the fact the ball's just a little bit lower some players don't like the ball around you know, need to waste height. They don't make as good contact. Some players play with, uh, who play with more spin, they don't get the value for that spin on a softer grass court. The ball doesn't kick up as high. So you, you, players will generally flatten out their shots on the grass so that they are penetrating through rather than bouncing up off the surface. And some players aren't able to do that as, as well. So, um, you know, those are little adjustments. Stevie uses the slice backhand a lot. That can be a nice variation on the grass, used positively. Um, and then maybe just coming forward, taking some half chances and, and just being willing to, to play that game where you come to the net and you get passed more often, but you're winning your, your winning percentage. You know, maybe you come in 40 times, but you win 23 of those. It means you've lost 17 points, but you're in positive territory. Yeah, coming forward, serve volley game, it, it seems to be kind of a lost art a little bit. I was delighted to see Misha Zverev winning Eastbourne coming forward. He's, yep. a, he's a classic yeah, serve volley. Yeah, old volleyer. school, isn't he? Is that how you were a serve volleyer yourself? Do, do you wish more of the top players would actually just back themselves and come forward sooner? I, I think going back a bit when I played, I did serve volley on the grass, but the courts were different then. They, I, I believe the grass was a bit shorter and they weren't as good I mean and you go back even further than that I got the you know the pleasure of 
talking to Peter Fleming a lot. I mean, he said it was a field. You, you, you serve and volley because it was a it was an absolute danger to let the ball bounce. Um, and of course, guys return so incredibly now that it is tough to serve and volley. So it's it's difficult. But you know, Misha Zverev, he's got that tricky lefty serve. He's a, he's a very very good athlete. I don't think everybody can do it, but I do think that more players could. And and I think it's something that that Sampras took on that Federer has embraced. Again, it's that percentage thing. I might not win every point, but I'm winning more than if I stay back. And I'm also unsettling my opponent. That's just finally, um, in terms of game plans, whose game plan are you expecting to click in straight away? What, what is a match that you're particularly looking forward to in the first round? The blockbusters is Vavrinka Dimitrov. Um, Vavrinka also coming back from, from injury. Um, Dimitrov not in the best form, so that's a, you know, that's a, blockbuster that's center court possibly um we've got a whole podcast without talking about denis shapovalov (laughs) the other lefty who may could be when he gets his game together uh could could be very effective he takes on shardy um shardy who played well on the grass but clicking in i mean the guys have been on grass for for a little bit now so um if i have a quick glance through here Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. It's going to be interesting how Nadal starts off because he hasn't played a warm-up tournament. So uh, he's got he's, his draws worked out pretty favorably, I'd say. But uh, interesting to see how he uh, kicks it off. So in terms of upset alert, would you put Nadal top of the list or would somebody like Dominic Team playing Karen Hatchinoff? <laughs> That's a tough match. Well, we don't even have to look that far. I think Team's first match against Marcus Bagdatis. You know, that's potentially tricky. Marcus loves the grass. He will serve and volley a little bit. Uh, hits a flat ball, particularly on that backhand wing. He loves it here on the grass. How many years has he got left? We don't know. Um, so that's, that's potentially a tricky. I, I don't see it for Nadal. I think his draws, with all due respect to the other guys, has worked out pretty well. Uh, having said that, he's got Misha Zverev, the, the lefty. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think team's a good shout. Baghdad, that's a that's a good match to watch and zip forward two weeks who do you expect uh, to be commentating on in the final which two are going to prevail well I've got my, my, my favourite two are in the uh, are in the same half Federer and Chilich so I think we, we can roll back the years we're going to go Federer, Federer Djokovic I, I think is the safe bet but it never works out that way does it it would be a cracking final who would win it um, that would be a great match uh, Federer I think there's so much to look forward to my thanks as ever to Miles McLagan. join us next week when Gigi Salmon and guests will have a Wimbledon halftime report when we see who has and hasn't made it through to the second week in the meantime check out the Twitter feed at ATP Tennis Radio for exclusive interviews throughout the fortnight and if you've enjoyed this podcast tell a friend and write us a review on iTunes. Help us climb those charts. Enjoy the tennis.